0: Awesome. So we are continuing on uh, in our Beats series. So this is a missional kind of discipleship framework uh, that, we are, that we are working through and teaching on. Uh, as I shared uh, last week, and we'll do the same thing today, we've got a little bit of extra time. Uh, if you have questions during the sermon, uh, you can go to sermon. And you can actually type in a question and send it off and then we'll get them and put some of them up maybe at the end. Um, so you can ask anything related to the sermon. Um, yeah, not just random stuff, although I, I, I will probably have an opinion on it, um, but that's not the point of it. Um, so so send those through and we'll, we'll do our best to, uh, to answer those things because uh, if you have never prepared a sermon before, sometimes it's really hard to think about what are all the things that people might think about or question or whatever so or things you assume people know that they might not so get through that Uh, there are no silly questions Um, just silly people so no that's not what I say no no but it is anonymous as well so even if you think oh this sounds like probably everyone knows this and I'm the only one just send it through because you might find there are a bunch of people who are asking the same question and so we want to just give space uh, for that and uh, and we'll yeah I'll do my best to Honor in my response as well, because I I have honor in my heart towards you. So I love—I just love people um, learning things and getting things. So if we can help in any way, so last week I spoke to you kind of as a as a bigger overview. Um, and and touched on particularly some points around kind of cultural Christianity versus kingdom culture and the remedy for cultural Christianity. So that's the kind of Christianity where we um, just kind of get into a flow and we do lots of Christian activities, um, but we're not necessarily centered around Christ. We're not necessarily leading, uh, being led by the Holy Spirit um, and being intentional about all of those things. Um, if we click back to the other screen with the... Uh, thing on there it'll bring it up so the remedy for cultural Christianity is discipleship that's how we learn and grow we're formed into the nature of Christ and then we get to uh, be that expression to the world around us amen did anyone pay attention last week two people did awesome well done hey you know what I thought to say as well I'll say before I begin um, you're welcome to share the sermons that, that we preach every week as well on social media. You don't have to. I have no desire to be famous uh, and that would not be the reason. But if you're like, hey, there's some good stuff that said I could, because we posted on Facebook, we posted on YouTube, you could say, hey, I'm gonna share that around to people. It was interesting. I was at, uh, um, hanging out with Brett the other day and uh, his sister was saying, because I think I maybe kind of met her at someone's wedding one time and uh, like, oh, and we're chatting, oh yeah, no, but I, I watched just your sermon the other week on the unoffendable heart one. I was like, oh, that's so weird um, that, uh, that you would, that's how you'd interact with someone that they would be watching you um, on YouTube. But, uh, but it is, I'm hoping that we're sharing good stuff here and it's relevant. So you're welcome to share it, spread it around the, uh, the internet, because there's lots of um, junk on social media. And so hopefully we can also be injecting some truth. Amen amen hey I uh, loved uh, Lynn Scanum was when we were in our pre-gathering prayer and, uh, and she had a, a, just a word that uh, she said she felt bad she, she didn't share it last week but I feel like it was the timing of God for you to share it today uh, but, it, uh, but I felt like from the word that she shared that we are in a season of uncapping wells wells that have been dug uh, and this is something as I, as I pictured a well wells tap into kind of artesian Um, underground reservoirs of water. So you don't just, you don't kind of dig a well and then fill it with your own water. You dig a well in a place that you know there's water underneath and you tap into that. And we are a people, a community that has dug lots of wells, lots of deep underground reservoirs uh, when it comes to worship and intimacy with God and the heart journey. Lots of the things that we have uh, pressed into as we've been led by God have uh, dug these underground wells. But really a well is of no use unless it is uncapped. Otherwise, it just remains an underground reservoir of really good life giving things. Even where Jesus said to the woman at the well, I will, uh, you know, if you'd asked me for a drink of water, I would have given you a wellspring of life. I would have put a wellspring in you, and that wellspring bubbles up and gives life out. But it's the overflowing of the well that is the ultimate benefit of the well. They didn't put a well in the center of a town and they say, hey, look, there's a nice pool of water that nobody can access. It's meant for people to drink from. That's the point of a well. So as God digs deeper wells in us, we're supposed to be releasing that wellspring. But unless we're living in ways where we are intentionally opening ourselves up to share with others, then that wellspring remains capped. Amen? Cool. Amen. I was going to say something else, but that's irrelevant, so... So as we talk about beats, we have these fancy little cards uh, that we've worked long and hard on the specifics of the wording, like we have our senior leadership team meetings, we have gone over these things so many times um, because we just want to, not because we want to get it right, we just want it we just to be engaged with in the best possible way, um, but I will give those out to you soon. Okay, so this is just a look like there. Beautiful laminated car. They fold in half. Ooh, ooh, ah. They have rounded corners, don't they, Andrew? Ooh, yeah. Because Andrew, by hand. Um, Trim them all and uh, so this covers our beat stuff and a whole lot of other good things so that's coming Uh, but beats is uh, I sent a little video to our our senior team kind of Facebook messenger chat the other day but uh, my son Micah so my middle son and uh, he came up to me he was in the uh, service last week and uh, and he said oh dad tell me more about this beat stuff and uh, and so I shared a kind of bit more about I said oh Micah do you do you remember what it stands for and he's like, yeah, it's uh, Bless, Eat, Abide, Train, Sent. I was like, yeah, it is. And I know with no prompting, so I recorded him doing it and I thought, wow, it's, it's catching on. My son was paying attention and, uh, and he got it. But, uh, but that is the kind of framework that we have uh, for creating a, a kind of a structure a scaffold for living missionally, so living as sent ones of God, which we all are. Every single person is in full-time ministry, every single person is a full-time missionary. Okay, Put your hand up if you're in full-time ministry. Awesome. Put your hand up if you're a full-time missionary, every single one of you. Okay. So, And this is the reality. You might say, oh, but Brad, it's different for you because you get paid to do ministry. But so do you. You just get paid to do it in a different place. Because oh, but Brad, there's lots of things that I have to do in my life that have nothing to do with God and, and, and church and ministry. It's exactly the same. Yeah? just trimming the corners off a piece of card have anything to do with ministry? Does it feel like that sometimes, Andrew? Yeah, no. Updating computers. Picking up. You know what I did this week? I spent two days picking up furniture. Now, it connects some way in, but it doesn't feel like it at the time. Ian did a day, Rod did it, well, that's what we did. But it's part of, you know, it's, it's a blessing. But we all have that opportunity where God has placed us in unique environments and we have an opportunity to bring the kingdom of God into those places, to make disciples in those places. And you get paid to do that. How good is that? Amen. It's exciting. So the five uh, parts of the framework of the beats kind of rhythm is bless, eat, abide, train, and scent. So as I said, this is a framework to direct us toward an outward expression of our relationship with God. We have an internal relationship and this is the outward expression of who God is in us and to us. And so we're focusing uh, this week on bless. We're taking one letter. Amen. And we're going to slowly work through these. So if we look at beats, if we've got the five thing up there, so it's blessing people both inside and outside the church, eating together, sharing meals with those inside and outside the church, abiding in Holy Spirit, listening to His guidance and direction, we're training and learning Jesus as our Lord, friend, Savior, and model for making disciples and living sent by God as missionaries in our everyday lives. So the benefit of this, now there are benefits of these rhythms for us. And there are benefits of these rhythms for those that we live amongst. But if you imagine, if you were to start blessing people, intentionally seeking to bless people every week, you're naturally going to become a very generous person. If you eat with others regularly, you'll develop a greater capacity for hospitality. If you foster the habit of abiding with the Holy Spirit, you'll become an increasingly Spirit-led person. Who wants to be Spirit-led? Yeah, I do. Well, then we need to form a habit, a rhythm of abiding and listening to the Holy Spirit. If you're training in learning Jesus, who was he? What was he like? What did he do? What did he say? What was he all about? If you do that, it's fair to assume that you'll become more and more like him that which you behold, you become. The more that we are beholding Jesus, the more we're going to become like him. And if you're regularly reflecting on all the ways that you've been sent by God into your world, you'll increasingly see yourself as a sent one or a missionary in your own neighborhood, in your workplace, in whatever sphere of influence God has put you in. So when we look at the five, to bless essentially is to live generously. To eat is to be hospitable, to abide is to be spirit-led, to train is to become Christ-like, and to be sent is to be a missional people. So what this framework helps as it starts to form us, then we become generous, hospitable, spirit-led, Christ-like missionaries. Amen. That's what we want, yeah? That's why we're following this Jesus guy because we want to be generous, hospitable, spirit led Christ-like missionaries. That's what He's called us to be. So what we're doing is simply just putting a framework that helps to keep us, remember as I talked last week, the, like in a bowling alley, the bumpers on either side, we've got one life, we've got one opportunity to strike. Okay? So we want to, is having these bumpers that help us to stay in line. Amen? You're welcome to respond at any time. Hoots, hollers, whoops, amen preacher brothers all of that sort of stuff are acceptable you can um you know throw money at me d- notes n- only not coins i don't have a no poverty spirit here uh, no. <laughs> yeah 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 this is no, as you may know, if you're new or visiting, we actually don't take up an offering during the gathering time, uh, but we do have the boxes on the walls. That's part of discipleship following Jesus. We don't want to hassle you every week. We're like, hey, it's up to you to be responsible with your finances uh, in that process. So, so it's really important that this is not a framework to attempt to grow our church. When we're not trying to create a model that says, "Oh, yes, how can we get more people in?" It's not about getting more people here. It's about actually impacting more people out there. So mission is about establishing the rule and reign of Jesus on the earth, his kingdom coming. So it is actually more about what happens out there than what happens in here. Now a lot can happen in here. A lot can happen when we gather. From the beginning of planting this church, we felt like you know it's really important that we're gathering, gathering together regularly to worship God, to, uh, to seek his face, to, to learn to be equipped to be encouraged, to be empowered, meeting together is really important, but it is certainly not the end of what we're after. It's the beginning. It's the starting point. It's the starting line as we then go out and live sent. So we want to equip, encounter, empower, and encourage one another. But that's as we we're doing all of that as we are sent as missionaries into the world. So, when we talk about having rhythms in our life, as I said last week, we all have rhythms. We eat a certain number of times a day, we shower, we get dressed, we go to work, we do different things in our life that have rhythm to them. But a question to ask yourself is what are the rhythms of my relationship with Jesus? if my rhythms of relationship with Jesus are primarily around coming along on a Sunday or attending some sort of meeting, then what happens is we end up containing the kingdom rather than expanding the kingdom. It comes down to all about kind of attending something, going somewhere and maybe to receive something or maybe just simply for people to fulfill some sense of religious obligation because that's what you're supposed to do as a Christian. But the reason we gather is so we can live scattered. What we do when we scatter is as important as what we do when we gather. But that's what it is to be a sent one, is to live as a missionary in every sphere of influence. And we've been given a mandate from God to expand the rule and reign of Jesus across the earth. Do you realize that? You've been called to expand God's kingdom on the earth. Is that exciting to anyone? Oh, that sounds tiring. Oh. You know, can't even mow my lawn. You know. It's what we're called to do. And this goes right back to the beginning in God's creation. So God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, and subdue the earth. Essentially, take this wonderful place of Eden, this place where I dwell with my people, we have intimate connection and relationship, everything is beautiful and harmonious and wonderful. Now take this reality and expand it across the earth. That was the original creation mandate. But now we have the new creation mandate, which is very similar, just worded slightly differently. So the creation mandate, be fruitful, multiply and subdue the earth. The new creation mandate is to go and make disciples of all nations. To take God's kingdom and have it cover the earth. To see as God was ruling and reigning in Eden, to see that same rule and reign through the kingdom of God be expanded across the earth. It's the same mandate, just restored to humanity. So in creation, God put people in a garden and they dwelt in his presence. But in the new creation, God put his garden in people and he dwells in our presence. I put it on a screen. So we, this is really, really significant. In creation, God put people in a garden. He dwelt in their presence. But in the new creation, God put his garden in people and he dwells in our presence. Doesn't make us God, but he dwells in us. So that reality of the rule and reign of God starts in us, but it's supposed to flow out of us. So in the same way where Adam and Eve had this experience of relationship with God, but the goal was then to go and take that and expand that across the earth. And I love um, in John chapter 20, uh, when so Mary goes to the tomb and, uh, and sees the stones rolled away, there's two angels there. But then actually Jesus appears and, uh, and he, you know, he says to her, you know, why are you afraid? But I love, that it's like the first encounter with the resurrected Christ. And it says that she thought that he was the gardener. I just thought that was kind of cool. (laughs) He's like, yeah, he is. He's just tending to a different garden now. Um, Anyway, that's just, I just like those things sometimes. Um, So discipleship is about planting and tending the garden of God's presence in us and then expanding that garden through us. I've had in, in, in encounters with God, God talked to me about, it's like my internal world, it's like a garden I've got to tend. I have to be aware of of pulling up the weeds i have to allow the lord to come and to prune those areas that aren't producing good fruit and i get to feast from that which god produces in me in that place of intimacy and again it's important that you understand that we're not trying to create the strategy for you we're saying here's a framework here's an intentionality but the strategy of what it's going to look like for you is going to be totally different than what it's going to look like for me you'll have different rhythms in your life you'll hang around different people you'll live in a different suburb in a different family everything will be different for you compared to me you might be married with children you might be single you might be married without you know like it's everyone's relationship you might have adult children it's everyone's context is going to be different so the strategy of how God will use you in those places is going to be different and we're not going to create that for you we want to help you to create the habits or rhythms that naturally lead you to being more obedient to Jesus. It's a framework that, if rightly applied, can produce the kind of life that forms Christ in you and reflects his nature and reality to the world around you. So what can commonly sometimes happen in church culture is the church takes on the corporate church the leadership whatever it is takes on the responsibility of facilitating your discipleship your ministry and your mission on your behalf so they say this is what you'll do this is when you'll do it this is what it'll look like and we will kind of fit you into a box in a time for a length of time whatever it might be and this is what will we'll facilitate all of those things for you we've chosen not to take that approach because I don't believe that it produces the best fruit, and I don't believe that it produces mature disciples of Jesus. What it can produce is people who, again, can start to become cultural Christians. Now, do they love? I'm not saying they don't love Jesus. I'm not saying they're not passionate about what they're doing, but somebody else is facilitating the things that God has called them to do. And what often happens is it becomes focused around what happens, again, in the church, so people don't minister necessarily to their neighbors because they're ministering at a ministry within the church. They don't minister to their work colleagues. They don't minister to those around us. It's almost like the blinders get put on like a horse and we don't see what's happening either side of us because while well, I do that, my God bit at that time, at that place with those people, but actually every moment of every day, if I am a missionary, that means there's opportunity that God would have for me to make disciples and to see his kingdom come to love the Father, to love people. It's all day, every day in all sorts of amazing, creative ways that God would do that. So if you're waiting for me to tell you what to do or how to do and all that sort of stuff, I mean, we'll give you ideas, but we're not going to do it for you. We're not going to facilitate it for you because we want you to be mature in Christ. Is that good? Amen. Hallelujah. All right, so we have this rhythm of blessing, so the rhythm of regularly seeking to bless other people. Now this word gets kind of used and thrown around a lot, it can mean lots of different things to people, but I like to think of blessing as um, essentially as the the extension of, of benevolence or goodness or kindness or generosity towards others. But Blessing is always other-centered. Now we can receive blessing because God is other-centered. God cares about his glory, but he loves his children. So we are blessed by God because his attention is given towards us. We bless others because we give our attention to them and we seek the goodwill of other people. Amen? So it's the rhythm of regularly seeking to bless others. We want to be encouraging one another to say, who in my life could I bless and in a week or in a fortnight? I'm actually going to be intentional. Not to say, oh, well, I guess if the opportunity arises. But no, I'm actually going to intentionally, I'm going to write down a name. I'm going to be asking Jesus, who do you want me to bless this week? And I'm going to seek to bless someone inside the church and seek to bless someone outside the church in this next week or this next fortnight or this next month, whatever it might be but I'm going to be intentional about doing that, okay? So why would we want to bless other people? It's because we have been blessed, but we've also been blessed in order to be a blessing to other people. I'm just going to pause here for a sec. Why don't you pray with me? Holy Spirit, I just speak your peace over the room. Your shalom peace would come right now. Every distraction would be bound. Every spirit of distraction would be bound in Jesus' name. We thank you for your peace. We thank you, Spirit of truth, that you are here, that you dwell amongst us. And I just command a silencing of any voice, And a tearing down of any stronghold that would set itself up against the knowledge of Christ. We thank you, Lord, that the gates of hell will not prevail against your church, the church that you're building, Lord. We are not building this church. You are building this church. We're not building the church in this city or in this nation. You are building the church in this nation, Holy Spirit. So we yield to your leading, but we command every other spirit to go now in Jesus' name, that you would come under the authority of Christ. We bind you, we silence you, and we command you to leave right now. In Jesus' name, let your peace come. Let your shalom come. Holy Spirit that you would be Lord in this place Amen there we go so we are blessed to be a blessing and this comes out of the Abrahamic covenant or the covenant of Abraham that we find in Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 to 3 it says now the Lord said to Abram go from your country and your kindred go from your country and your kindred he's sending him And your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed." this is where we get this understanding that you will be blessed by me in order that you might be a blessing. It's the same calling that we have as part of God's family that we've come under all the fruitfulness of that covenant and we are blessed in order that we might be a blessing. Not to be... To, be, to hold blessing captive but to say I am so blessed and I want to live blessing other people. Jesus said it is better to give than to receive. So there is a deep spiritual truth in that reality of the joy of giving rather than just the joy of receiving. So the bl- basis of our blessing is that we have been blessed. The basis of our blessing others is because we have been blessed by God and if you don't feel like you've been blessed then you need to then spend some time with the Lord and start to cultivate thankfulness because you have been blessed. You say, oh, but I don't have this particular thing. If you're sitting here today, you're not starving, you're not dying of thirst, you've got clothing on your back, looking around, thank you, praise the Lord. Um, you're, you're, you're blessed in the physical provision side of things. The fact that you just live in this nation means you're blessed in, in all of those ways of provision. But you're here probably because you love Jesus, because you know God. That is the ultimate blessing, that you could know Him. So you're sitting here today saying, if I feel like I can't be thankful of anything, you can be thankful that you know Jesus. So the basis of our blessing others is that we have been blessed. And this blessing is this extension and this focus of, how can I extend to others how God has blessed me? And the reality is the focus of blessing others, it will challenge and confront any areas of selfishness in our hearts or in our habits. We might be very protective of our resting time or or whatever it is, or our own time, our hobbies or something like that. But if we are open to being used by God, we need to be open at all times to be used by God. We need to actually create space in our lives and to live in such a way that if God says, if we're, if we're going right, and God says, I just want you to go left for a little bit, they would say, yes, Lord. Well, I'm going to rest, but God, you're calling me to work, that I'd say, okay, yes, Lord. Because even in the work, you're going to give me a rest that I wouldn't have found in isolation. This is Jesus. This is the life of Jesus. He's like, I'm going to spend time with the Father. That's a really good thing to do. Spend time with the Father. It was a good value for Jesus to have. But what happens is he sees the people in need, crying out for healing and salvation. And so he says, I was heading to be with the Father, but, but compassion has drawn me. So, which means he's been led by the Father because he only did what he saw the Father doing. I want to go spend time with the Father, but the Father's over here with these people, so I'm going to follow him and my compassion is going to lead me in that place. It means we have to be open to be used and moved by God in whatever way he would have us do that blessing is always outward focused and other centered and I love that that's the beginning of this framework is that we would turn our attention from ourselves and focus it outwards because that is God's intention is outwards it is the way of Jesus is to be an outward looking people But it will wage war against the prevailing value of our culture, which is me first. It's all about me. That is what drives media and commerce and all of those things is how does this benefit me? But the way of Jesus is how does this benefit others? The way of Jesus is to consider others. He even says consider others more highly than yourselves whoa radically in the face kingdom way of living opposed to the culture of the world now again this is not in spite of yourself this is not be a doormat this is not just burn yourself out being overly responsible for other people okay you're not the messiah say it again you are not the messiah tell yourself i am not the messiah there is one messiah his name is jesus and i'm not him I can't save the world on my own. Our job is to be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit and he does the work in the midst of those places. So this is not to be, okay, bro, you're just calling us to be just doormats and just be, you know, spend ourselves for everybody else and never care for ourselves. I'm not saying that at all. And I would hope that if you've spent any time in this community, you would know we really value people. We really value emotional health, spiritual health, physical health. We're not about doing any of those things. But what we don't want is the pendulum to swing so far in one direction that we live not costing ourselves. Because the way of Jesus is also sacrifice. It is cost. It is laying down your life. It is dying to self. It's both of those things. Love yourself, value yourself, care for yourself, nurture yourself, do all of those things with God, but also cost yourself, expend yourself, pour yourself out for the sake of others. A heart-aware culture reveals our limitations. And that's a good thing, being aware of your limitations. And this is healthy if it's rightly engaged with. The danger, though, is that we, if we become hyper-aware of our needs and our limitations, and then we become protective of ourselves, that gets kind of funky and bad. It's like, I can't do anything because I, I might push myself over the, the limit. If I talk to that person or if I, if I bless that person, if I, if I go out and eat food, I might push myself. So I've got to come right back and, and self-protect myself, self-protect myself self-awareness should lead to stewardship not selfishness or self-protection or self-provision becoming self-aware means i know how to steward my emotional health i learn how to steward my physical health i learn how to steward my spiritual health that's really good of getting to know your internal world how you're wired how you respond knowing hey i know I i have a physical limitation and I know when I, 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 know I can't push myself beyond that in, in my natural daily rhythms. You might have an emotional thing. I'm feeling like, man, I'm, I'm just getting, to the, getting close to, to my emotional limit. I need to be aware of that. I need to steward myself well. Not constantly just you know, burning out and then you know, slowly crawling your way back and then burning out again. That's an unhealthy habit to live in. But it's important that we understand God is our protector and our provider. So we need not live in self-protection or self-provision. But in Christ, our limitations don't limit us. We have access to a limitless God. His grace, so his power, his strength abounds towards us. So again, this doesn't mean we do whatever we want. I can do whatever, I can stay up all night just doing whatever I want because his grace abounds to me and God will protect me and provide for me. And it's like, no, you will burn out and you will trash yourself physically, okay? It doesn't mean you get to do whatever you want, but it does mean that when he calls you to do something, we can trust that he will provide the resources we need to accomplish it. So we might find ourselves saying, I know I'm, I'm I'm at the limit of my physical Okay, I'm on, just on this day, I feel like I'm at the limit of my physical. But I know, Lord, you're calling me to do that thing. Okay, well, I want to be obedient to you, but I know I don't need to say, sorry, God, I can't obey you in this moment because I've come to my limitation. But I know if you're saying to do it, then you will provide what I need to go beyond my limitation into that place because there's grace for me. Now, if you're in a place of, you know, I've come to the end of my limitation, oh, but this person needs me. They need, they need a saviour and I'm a saviour so I can just save them and so then I just go out not being led by the Holy Spirit then inevitably I can become this what we call over responsibility and, and I step into that place then I end up burned out because I'm going beyond my limitation without the backing of the Lord. So I guess good but I didn't tell you to do that. <laughs> it, might, it might have been a really good thing, great idea except not a God idea. So it's important in that, like we're learning, this is part of maturing in Christ, is that we learn ourselves, but we also don't live in limitation all the time, because God can say, oh, but I can use you to do mighty things, and you might find, I don't feel like I have the strength, Lord, but I'll I'll obey you, and then we find strength in the doing, because His grace abounds to us, amen? That's just a little side note. And again, Luke 6.28 talks about blessing those who curse you, praying for those who abuse you. So this is also not just looking at who are my friends that I love that I can bless. God might also call you, if you're abiding with the Holy Spirit and you're asking, "Who, who do you want me to bless? He might call you to bless an enemy. He might call you to bless someone who has cursed you. He might call you to pray, to bless, to give a gift to someone who is against you. That's the expected level of silence that I that uh, You're not supposed to preach on those things, Brad. We just take those, we just file them at the back of the Bible. We'll get to them one day, maybe. No, this is the way of Jesus. It's crazy. It's radical and yet it must be the best way because Jesus said to do it. Don't just bless those you love. I think this is a poignant scripture for our time because there is a lot coming against people a lot coming against the church a lot coming against christians are we going to seek to bless or seek to curse right answer so blessing comes in many forms um but in uh so the book surprised the world i think i've got a i've got my copy of it here Um, these little books there this is by a guy called Michael Frost he's an Aussie so you know it must be good Um, but he uh, he outlines three kind of common forms of blessing so you can get that book there and this is a lot of what we're kind of extracting uh, info from it's really good stuff but it's kind of it might be slight we're we're taking our kind of paradoxical spin on it so so blessing comes in many forms Uh, but three kind of main ways of blessing are the first is words of affirmation so if you say i want to seek to bless someone you could write them a note send them an email send them a text just bless someone by just saying hey i just i just really love you i just think you're amazing i think you're awesome Love your new hairdo, whatever it is. I don't know, just do something that builds up. Hey, I have I noticed this about you. Look for those things that, that you might feel like aren't the most common things that someone would say. Putting courage into somebody. Express your internal positive views about someone. Express them. I'm the kind of person that I think lots of positive things about people and I don't always say them. It's just not intuitive for me to say I need to express that. So it's a it's a habit I I need to learn. I've had to develop over time. I'm still not great at it. Amy is amazing at it. If you spend any time with Amy, you'll come away feeling affirmed. Even when you're challenged, you come away affirmed. We talk about. Isn't that right, Sam? Yeah. We talked about that affirmation sandwich. Yeah, it's good. But it's a natural, it's a natural, but maybe, I, I don't know if you've always been like that, but there's something of like, we, we put courage in people through your words. You have the power of life and death in your tongue. This is, it can be as simple as that. Say, oh, you, to live and to be a blessing, I could send a text to someone. Yeah, you might not be like a good face-to-face person. Put it in text form. That's my wife. She's great at writing stuff. Not when we first started dating. Awkward few first dates, I was a little bit more expressive, maybe a little too emotional, you know, and, and she just wasn't, and, uh, and I'd be like, so we, we started, you know, dating, and I remember when I asked her out, and she just sat there and kind of nodded, and you know, she'll laugh at this, we've, we've talked about this many times, she's okay with it. So she is, and I love her. She's amazing. But I was like, yes, you know, so I used to say, and I'd say goodnight to her, and I'd say all these wonderful things, you know, because we're in this, you know, we're in the courting phase. I want you to know how much I care about you, how beautiful, all this sort of stuff, and she'd, you know, she'd receive it, but I'd be like, so. Can I feel my... Sh-? But I knew, she, I, knew she, I knew she liked me, clearly. <laughs> she kept, you know, just showing up, I guess. Um, but then she would go away, and then she'd send me a text message, or she'd write me a note, and you know she'd, she'd put it somewhere, she'd do. So it was in her, but she got to express herself in the way that suited her. So again, you might find yourself, oh, yeah, I'm just not good kind of face-to-face, my words get jumbled. We do our stuff, um, every, anyone on staff when they have a birthday, we do a cake, and we always do words of affirmation around that. And uh, Brett, he's someone, he writes amazing poems for people. Um, but I know from Brett, he's like... I, He finds in the moment sometimes, it doesn't express properly. So if I I write it down, I can really form my thoughts. So again, this is the way where it's like, how does it work for you? Now, I'm not saying don't stretch yourself, but I'm also saying not every part of living for Jesus has to be a stretch. It can be, oh, wow, there's a way that I can bless that actually fits with my kind of personality, my makeup, where I am in my journey. As I said, encouragement means to put courage into somebody. Your words can put courage into people. Words of affirmation bring life to our souls. Amen? All right, this is a little um, bit from the book. It's a quote from Gary Chapman who wrote the Five Love Languages book, but he says, Encouragement requires empathy and seeing the world from another's perspective. We must first learn what is important to the other. Only then can we give encouragement. With verbal encouragement, we are trying to communicate, I know, I care, I am with you, how can I help? We are trying to show that we believe in the person and their abilities. We are giving credit and praise. See, it's so simple and so, like, this is what I'm saying, all this stuff we share is not going to seem profound, and yet it can have a profound impact on people's lives. The second one is acts of kindness. So words of affirmation and acts of kindness, it's actively being kind to other people. And again, you can feel kindness. You cannot do malicious things, but to act in ways that express kindness to other people. It's asking people if they need help, offering to, to you know, mow your neighbor's lawn, or you know, it's all of that sort of stuff. It's loving your neighbor as yourself, those simple kind of ways. How am I blessed? How can I bless another people? You know, in this last Kind of fortnight. If I think about it, and nobody else would know, this, this is the first time I'm sharing it. I'm not doing it to get any credit. I just noticed. I was thinking back. It's good to tell stories, and I thought, oh, there was a couple of opportunities that I had. So one was, we've got jacarandas up our street, and uh, and they kind of drop all of their leaves, abundant piles of little tiny annoying leaves that get stuck in your windscreen wipers, uh, and then the branches they're attached to. But so they're all over our front yard, and I was just cleaning up, kind of down the curb on the verge, and uh, and for me I was like. I'm gonna spend the extra 10 minutes and do my neighbor's house. And just, and for me, it was just cool. I'll just do that extra little bit and scoop it up and sweep and do that sort of stuff. It cost me 10, 15 minutes extra in my day. And she might, I'm thinking, she might not have even noticed. But I knew that God was asking me to do that to extend kindness. It was just an act of kindness towards my neighbor who I know is a, is a single woman. And just to be, hey, I could just bless you in this small way by doing that. Oftentimes, I'll take her bin out for her or take people's bins in. Just doing little things like that. It's that small extension of your day that can be a blessing to another person. I was at the checkout at Coles and uh, there was a, there's an elderly indigenous woman there and her card was just not working. She tried it, kept saying it was having an error at all this sort of stuff. She had a handful of groceries and so I said, I'll, I'll grab it for you and just... Tapped my card, and or probably my, my watch, and, uh, and, and did that. and That was it. And I was just, bless you. And it was a simple little thing. Um, it didn't even cost me that much. And again, it didn't mean that I then had an opportunity. Okay, say so now I've blessed you. Uh, can I please uh, proclaim the gospel to you and lead you to Jesus and, and get you coming along to my church? Uh, it wasn't about that. It was just the extension of the heart of God towards another person. And for me, I was like, I want that just to be formed in me where I'm not thinking, what can I get out of this? I'm just saying, what can I give into this? And the third one is gifts. Gifts can express to someone that they are seen, that they're known, and that they're valued. And again, it doesn't have to be an expensive gift. Oftentimes, those things like, man, this could be $2 something you know man I know that would really that means something to a person you can get by someone a gift again it could be groceries it could be paying it forward at a drive through I've heard stories of people doing that where they pay for their meal you know McDonald's or whatever and then they pay for the car behind them and I've heard stories of that going on and on and on and on like through one drive through someone will then pull up and they'll say oh the person in front of you paid for your, gro- for your meal like okay well I'll pay for the meal behind me and it just continued on and on and on like that so it's amazing. You know, if you just see, just blessing people through gifts, um, it's simple little things like that, but the way we express this, if it might be, you know, putting a bunch of flowers together from your garden and dropping it over to a neighbor, just finding a way that you can give something of yourself to bless another person. And as I said before, blessing is an expression of the heart of the Father towards humanity. When we live blessing others, we bring the reality of Father God into the world, There's no exchange. There's no expectation of return. It's just, can I give from my blessing and pour it into you? And this is really important. We don't give with an expectation of receiving, we give because we've already received. We give out of our abundance of blessing. And again, don't feel pressured to lead someone to Jesus. It's not the point. This is not, the church has done this for way too many years. It's called a bait and switch. It's like, hey, yeah, we've got a cool rock band happening on Friday night. Come and check it out. And then you're in, preach the gospel. Um, You know, like it's just just been too much of that sort of thing where it's like, hey, have this, but we're going to preach the gospel. You know, like it's a free gift from God. Salvation is a free gift from God. The gospel should be proclaimed freely. Now, I'm not saying don't say that. If you're afraid to talk to people about Jesus, deal with your fear with God. Do people need to hear about Jesus? Absolutely they do. Do we want people to receive salvation, to come to the knowledge of God? Absolutely we do. But just if you're seeking, I'm going to bless people because then it'll give me an opportunity to talk about Jesus. I don't know if that's the right motivation because you can bless without an expectation of return as Jesus did. He prayed for countless people, healed countless people, performed more miracles than could be written in the books of the time, the Bible said. He lived blessing. He lived pouring himself out. He lived, when it talks about scattering the seed of the kingdom, the gospel seeds, and it talks about the different types of soil that it can land on. As I've said many times, the point of that parable isn't find the right soil and plant your seeds there. It's scatter the seed everywhere that you go. God will, God will figure out how, what happens to the seed and whether or not it germinates. Your, your job is to be a seed spreader your job is to live blessing. Now, if through that interaction an opportunity arises, I'm not saying don't look for it, but and it might. Someone's like, "Hey, what's what's going on?" Tell you know, and they, there's open invitation to do that. Absolutely, be prepared to share the good news of Jesus with someone. Okay, but if you're going, don't you don't need to go into that with that motivation or expectation. Blessing is an expression of the gospel. To bless someone is proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God coming to earth, okay? Is that all right? So, okay, every person I bless, I don't need to have a gospel presentation prepared. Correct, okay, it's okay. Jesus couldn't help but bless others because it was in his nature. And God desires that it would be in our nature why do we bless because that's who I am because that's who God has made me to be because that's who God is and I'm being formed in the likeness of Jesus so don't expect immediate or tangible fruit from these actions it's about living in and expressing the values of the kingdom and these rhythms will shape our behaviors and the fruit is that you have lived in a manner worthy of your calling. Colossians 1.10, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. 1 Thessalonians 2.12, uh, We exhort each other, each one of you, and encourage you and charge you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. This is what it looks like. We're talking these rhythms, this is just to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Okay, well, what about the outcome and what about this? and what? Leave that up to God. Just walk in a manner worthy of the calling. I've had this, you know, marriage is one of those environments where sometimes you can, you can get to that place where you're like, well, well, I don't want to do that because they're not doing this and, and there's some sense of, well, I'll, well, I'll do that if, if you're willing to do this. you know. But it's almost like, well, I'll be, I'll be righteous if you're willing to be righteous in return. That's always a bad motivation for righteousness. When I consider marriage covenant, really anything in my life, my thing is I'll be righteous because God has called me to be righteous. Regardless of whether or not you respond in righteousness towards me, I will bless because I am blessed and God's called me to be a blessing. I will honor because I'm honorable and God has called me to be a person of honor. You can be dishonorable towards me, guess how I'm going to respond? Honor. You can curse me, guess how I'm going to respond? Blessing. Because your actions aren't going to determine mine. Otherwise, you're Lord and He's not. So an action point for this week is to seek to bless one person in our church community and seek to bless someone who is not a Christian that's your action point that's my challenge to you to seek to bless one person in this church community and one person who is not a Christian oh how am I going to find time to do that you could do it you could do it right now I'm going to send Brad a text great sermon ha done if I get like 50 sermons of great text yeah 50 great text sermons sermons great sermon texts that's the one whew yeah so uh, I encourage you let your creativity flow seek the leading of the Holy Spirit ask him Holy Spirit who do you want me to bless this week now I said one you can do 20 if you want don't hold back okay seek the leading of the Holy Spirit do it out of the joy of invitation rather than the pressure of expectation if you come next Sunday no one's going to check your um, your blessing mandate card this is not a blessing mandate, people. Too soon. Yeah. No, so you cannot do it. It's not up to me. I won't receive the blessing of you blessing other people, unless you're blessing me. Um, but, you know, but it's like, no, it's good. It's just a thing, but seek it out. Do it and say, well, Joy, if I'm feeling pressure, I yield that to you, Holy Spirit. I'll trust you to lead me. And again, just imagine what the world would be like if everyone had this as their focus. Even just in our church community, how many? If there's, I don't know how many people there are here. If each each one of us every week one person, that's a that's a bucket load of people that by the end of the year would be blessed. A word of encouragement, and then you spread that out, and again people start to catch that. Maybe even people in your workplace they don't. So. Uh, we had a birthday get together for Brett. I'm just sharing this story without your permission, but I know you've already. Brett just gives me pre-permission to share everything about his life with you. <laughs> <laughs> they do talk about um, claiming royalties for my sermon things, so um, it'll come one day. When I start getting royalties, you can have some. Um, but uh, so at uh, so what we, we love to just share words of information, especially at, at birthday times, uh, but at Brett's house, and there was a, lots of um, friends and family, and, uh, and you know people were just sharing kind of words, just honoring Brett, Right, you're great. Lots of good stuff that was shared. Um, But the impact that it had, because there was people that didn't know Jesus, but what they're starting to see is, wow, the way that people would honor and express, and it opened up other people then to share kind of deeper parts from their heart of what they really thought. Where again, sometimes in Australian culture, particularly with men, it's always, you know, uh, the tall poppy syndrome, tear him down, joke and whatever. And it's like, oh, there's men here in this group of people sharing their hearts. like, okay, well, I can share means I can share my heart in this place but it's the little things like that you do that in your workplace where you start blessing people you start sharing words of affirmation even publicly say hey I just want to say you did a great job the other day in, in whatever it was and and just sharing that it starts people start to collect that culture and start to go oh wow that felt really good when that person said that to me I, want to, I need to start doing that to other people. And this is the culture of the kingdom starting to spread. Now, and it doesn't even have to have the name of Jesus attached to it. It's Jesus motivating it. He's the one that's sparking it. And we hope that one day those people would come to know him ultimately. But what happens is the culture of the kingdom starts to spread amongst our workplaces, amongst schools, universities, neighborhoods, because we start to establish a different culture, one that might go against the culture of the world. And that's part of the kingdom coming is when the culture of the kingdom comes. Amen? All right. Do we have any questions? Thank you. That's a blessing. Hey, someone's done tick tick the box. Yeah. That's awesome. That's it. The I did. It, I did it this week. Awesome. Thanks, Amy. <laughs> See, affirmation. She can't help herself. It's great. Hey, I want to pray for you, and uh, and bless you with my words. Um, so, want you stand uh, with me? Thank you, Lord. Well, Lord, we we stand in thankfulness for the blessing that you have given your Son for our salvation, that you have given your Spirit to make your home in us. You have given us access to all your thoughts. You've given us access to every part of who you are, and we delight in that, Lord. And so, Father, from that place, we want to extend blessing to others, Lord, as we acknowledge how blessed we are that we get to know you, Lord, And you provide for us in so many ways. But Father, our desire now is that we would be a people that would bless like you bless. That would love like you love, Lord. That your nature being formed in us would start to flow through us. So God, we ask you that you would help us to form these new rhythms in our life. That you would help us, Holy Spirit, to form just an intentionality. That we would spend our time focused on the things that you're focused on. And seeing how simple it is to see your kingdom come. How simple it is to see your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How simple it is to create open doors for conversations about you, Jesus. Lord, that we would not just live a life worthy of the calling that you have called us to, Lord, but we would also live lives that would intrigue others, God. I'm reminded, Lord, that so much in the early church, Lord, that people were intrigued by Christians, that were intrigued by these people who lived such a radically different life. And Lord, where the church has been judged in, in as being a hateful people Lord or judgmental people or a disconnected people Lord that Father I thank you that as you raise up a kingdom people that express your heart Lord people will start to take notice and say what is it about you that's different that people would be intrigued by our lives because we bless when we're cursed we pray when we are persecuted We seek to bless those around us without any expectation of return. We are always a people of kindness and affirmation and pouring ourselves out for others, Lord. But we thank you that you will do this work, Lord, that we can rest in that. And Father, I pray that you would help us to increase our thankfulness as a revealer of how blessed we are that we'd wake up, even in the morning as we'd wake up and we'd take our first aware breath, Lord, and we'd just be thankful that we have breath, that we have life, that you woke us up today, Lord. And Father, I pray for, for where our hearts might be exposed through this process, Lord, where any selfishness, Lord, might be stirred up in our hearts. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come, that you would bring that conviction, that you would lead us to repentance and Lord, that we would receive your healing of those spaces, Lord. Because Father, when we self-protect, it means we're not trusting you for our protection, Lord. When we self-provide, it means we're not trusting you for our provision, God, which means we are being robbed of true protection and true provision, Lord. But Father, I don't dismiss that. Lord, we acknowledge that. There could be deep trauma connected to that, Lord, but we just pray even as we would say, God, I'm going to trust you as I step out in this, that you're going to provide what I need. Lord, that we'd be a people that would not live by, just by our limitations, Lord, but would also lean into the grace that we need, Lord, to live the life that you have called us to. And Father, we thank you that through our lives, our neighbourhoods, and our nation would be blessed. We receive the calling to live as sent ones, to be disciples of you, Jesus, to be lovers of God and lovers of others. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you. Amen. Awesome.